Lord, I thank you for this time tonight. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak and hopefully be a salt and light in my message tonight. Uh, Lord, um, you know, I hope that you continue to speak through me and uh, relay this message, and hopefully this message uh, can relay out to the community, Lord. Um, We love our community, Lord, and we just hope that uh, this message can resonate. I hope it does. Uh, Lord, I thank you uh, for this time, uh, for the people that are here tonight. Um, I hope that there's an opportunity for them uh, and myself to gain a little bit more insight into where you want to lead us, Lord, in the, in the realm of education. Uh, Lord, in the name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Uh, so... Um, this is a great uh, this great opportunity. When Rob approached me uh, over a month ago asking me to do this, I, I thought that this was going to be a great series, and I was excited when he asked me to speak on education. Uh, you guys got to hear last week Brad Cummings talk a little bit about how Hollywood um, – has to, uh, you know, basically the, uh, his mountain that he has to climb in Hollywood, and it's a pretty big mountain, and he's faced a lot of opposition. Uh, the week before, we got to hear uh, Pastor Mark and uh, Mikey Taylor talk a little bit about uh, the business world and how complicated uh, it can be being a Christian in the business world. Um, it's challenging. Um, Mark uh, had uh, bringing Mikey Taylor up. Uh, what was it? Five hundred and twenty-two uh, followers. That was quite a speaker. That uh, five hundred twenty-two thousand. Yeah. Uh, Lou, how many do you have? Sixteen. Sixty. Okay. Uh, tonight, uh, uh, tonight I'm going to be joined with uh, Lou Lichtel, principal of Thousand Oaks High School, uh, and I'm very excited for tonight. So. Um, we'll, we'll bring him up in a little bit and, uh, you guys have a chance to ask him some questions. So we'll have, uh, in a little while, we'll have our phone number where you can text up some messages. Uh, but in the, in the meantime, I'd like to talk a little bit about our mountain of, uh, of influence education. And I know in this mountain, we can go probably about a hundred different paths. So I'm going to try to narrow the path down a little bit tonight, uh, focusing primarily on public education because that's the realm I'm in. And that seems to be a very, very uh, big mountain for a lot of us to climb. Uh, and I am going to try to uh, narrow down the topics because I am limited in my time. And if I really wanted to talk uh, about this, we could probably go on for days. So <laughs> uh, I'll, try to, I'll try to keep it uh, narrowed and easy. Oh, thank you very much. Um, Tonight, I'm gonna fo- I'll tell you a little bit about my journey into the uh, public arena. It uh, wasn't an easy one. Uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what it's like to be a Christian in the secular world of education, uh, as it is, uh, it is a challenge. Um, I, uh, we're going to look at resisting the culture versus engaging the culture. And then uh, I'm going to guide us through what the Bible says uh, for us educators, what it means to be uh, an educator in the Christian realm. And then uh, basically look at where do we go from here? Okay. Um, is there anybody here that is looking to get into education or in the education realm already? All right. Awesome. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I truly hope that my message could, uh, strike a chord tonight. And if it doesn't, uh, you can speak to me after and just tell me where I really messed up and where, uh, we can improve upon tonight. So, um, the first, uh, I, I want to tell you a little bit about where I came from. I actually, uh, my mom was an educator. She's been a kindergarten teacher for over 30 years. God bless her heart. Uh, that is definitely the one area I would veer uh, away from. But uh, growing up my whole life, uh, my father always told me that if I became a teacher, he'd kill me. 
Um, no, I, my, my father, he's a loving father. It was all out of joke. He, he wasn't going to do that. Uh, that was his, so- he's a businessman. So that was his soft way of saying, hey, listen, you need to uh, make a lot of money when you grow up. And teaching is not the way to do that. So um, that was a message that uh, I've always heard jokingly lovingly from my father. Uh, Obviously, I never listened to the man. Uh, But I will tell you this. If you were to tell me my senior year of college I was going to become a teacher, I'd probably laugh in your face uh, because that was not the realm I was looking to get into. Actually, at CLU, I was a criminal justice major, and I was looking to become a law enforcement officer. Um, However, my knees don't agree with, you know, the area of study that I wanted to do. I have bad knees. So Um, (laughs) after I I re-tore my ACL uh, going through the Sheriff's Academy, I figured, I need to find a a different realm. And so I thought about it a long time. I prayed about it. I have a lot of family and friends that are in the education world. Um, I love history, uh, self-taught history myself. I didn't take one history class at CLU, unfortunately. My one history class I took was actually at Moorpark College. uh, And everything else that I took, I, I learned on my own. And I love to coach. And so I started coaching at Royal High School, and uh, I had, a, had great teachers over there that I worked with, and, um, and I coached there for three years. I coached at CLU for two years in their track and field, on their track and field team, and uh, it's, been a, uh, it's been a great path. Unfortunately, I did take some time off in the middle of student teaching to try to pursue another career again in uh, something other than education, and that didn't last too long. So I came back. My parents uh, opened their home again for me to finish my education, and uh, and I had some loving friends, Mark and Chris, uh, like I had mentioned, introduced me to this church. And so I had many long talks with Pastor Rob about my future and where I wanted to go. And uh, through the blessing of the Lord, I was uh, hired right away at Los Rios Middle School teaching sixth grade. And that was quite a headache. Between sixth grade and seventh grade, there's quite a difference. Uh, My first year, I always thought I was going to teach high school right off the bat, uh, and I can handle the high school mentality. I get into sixth grade, and all of a sudden I have kids crying at me. I'm like, why are we crying? I don't understand. You guys are a bunch of babies. Like, grow up. You're going to be in high school soon. Um, So that first year was a very challenging year of teaching. But um, it was... uh, it, it was definitely uh, it was definitely eye opening. Um, I went into the education realm resisting. I was I was resisting um, the culture of education. I wanted to do things my way. Uh, when I first got into teaching, of course, I'm hounded by teachers about joining the union, and uh, and. I'm like, I don't really care about the union. I don't like what they stand for. I, it's just not me, okay? And so for my first year of teaching, uh, I was more focused on how do I avoid this culture rather than how can I focus on the students? And so uh, I, was, I was resisting the teachers. I was keeping myself kind of distant from them. Yes, I had some friends, but um, I didn't like uh, the culture that they had. It didn't follow my line uh, where I want it to be. And so uh, it, was, it was very challenging for me to um, apply uh, where I was uh, to their culture. And so I was very resistant. And I know a lot of people are when it comes to uh, public education. Um, but I wanted to get into t- looking at what it's like being a Christian in the secular world of public education. 
how we approached it and why. As I mentioned, I was very, very resistant towards it. But um, being a history teacher, you do a little bit of history research, and you find out that education actually wasn't uh, completely a secular world. Uh, actually, public education was started by the church uh, back in the 1600s. Uh, the school, the public education schools, that was the church. Okay, there's a time and a season for everything, and during that time and season, the church founded public education. We're looking at 1635 in Massachusetts. Sorry, I'm going to give a few little history lessons. Uh, I know Pastor Rob does, but I'm a history teacher, so I am, I am going to apply it. Um, it was actually called the Boston Latin School, and that system is actually still around. Uh, and for a lot of you that don't know, uh, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, all of those colleges were founded as uh, schools um, for theology, even though I know those schools have ventured away from it. Um, but back to that Boston Latin School, uh, this first public school, it was based on teaching the Bible, it was getting these students educated using the Bible. That is how they educated students. Um, and the Bible is going to be one of the main uh, sources of textbooks for basically the better part of 300 years. Uh, and along the way, another uh, textbook, the New England Primer, is going to be another source uh, with biblical reference that a lot of the public education schools are going to be using. And a lot of those students were well-educated and well-versed. And it was quite amazing to see um, how educated uh, these 11, 12, 13-year-olds, they'd probably put most of us to shame right now. Um, and what we find is, uh, by the later 1800s, uh, with uh, more uh, immigrants coming in, we see uh, different religions and different groups coming in. And uh, there's, there's a shift that takes place in our country. Um, but what we see is, by 1962... Um, we see that our culture decided to put the uh, nail in the coffin for, um, for us Christians when it comes to education. We found it basically public education in the United States, but over a course of time, uh, we see that uh, the winds have changed. And so, uh, and these wins are legal wins. These are government wins that we have to uh, abide by. In 1962, uh, the court case was Engel versus uh, Vital, where they took prayer out of school. Uh, they would start each morning with prayer. Okay, and then by 1963, the Bible, which was used as a again a textbook source, was officially taken out. Um, and so uh, what we see is those students who were given uh, morals out of, you know, out of the Bible, that was taken away from them. Um, I will, a little side note, uh, just so we, we all know that uh, prayer can still happen on campus, but it has to happen during certain times before school. Yes, people do it at the flagpole. Um, they can use my room at lunch. They can use my room after school. Uh, we can still have Bible study uh, in my class before school or at lunch if the students would like that. That is still uh, applicable. I actually personally, if I uh, choose to, I can use the Bible as a primary source in my classroom, because right now our students are studying the Reformation, and guess what? Martin Luther had a lot to say, and so uh, we are going to have to uh, use that as a primary source. Um, so uh, all that to say is, although legally, uh, as far as the entire schools are concerned, there are ways for us to, uh, to approach this and to um, still keep 
uh, Christianity and a sense of Christianity within the schools. Uh, Mark had talked about a few weeks ago being the salt and light, and I wanted to touch upon that because, uh, really touch upon that, because in the field of education, uh, that's very important. Where else can you truly find uh, the person of salt and light than within your teacher, the person who's supposed to teach you, who's supposed to guide you, who's supposed to be the person there for you uh, when your parents aren't there? I mean, a lot of us, how many of us have actually looked to a teacher as our source uh, when our parents can't be there for us? A lot of us do look to our teachers. And so it's important for us to be that salt and light for our students. Um, for those of you who have your Bible, um, it mentions, we'll turn to Matthew uh, chapter five thirteen. I know Mark had touched upon that. I'm going to retouch upon that. I'm actually going to uh, talk about some other scriptures uh, later on. Uh, but Matthew five thirteen says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In 1963, uh, when the Bible was taken out of uh, public education officially, uh, because that in itself was a gradual thing, it's not like it just, you know, stamped happened. Uh, it was a gradual uh, event that took place, but we saw a shift in education that, that took place. And I actually looked up the statistics myself, and uh, it was quite intriguing. Um, what we find is overall academic achievement has plummeted. Uh, increased rate of out-of-wedlock births are uh, happening throughout the country. Increased use in illegal drugs. Increase in juvenile crime. Deterioration of school behavior. Uh, a research study was done uh, by Cal State Los Angeles about the five biggest complaints by teachers between 1940 and 1962. Their biggest complaints was talking, chewing gum, making noise, running in the halls, and getting out of turn in line. Now the biggest complaints that we're dealing with is illegal drug use, juvenile crime, out-of-wedlock births. That's what was happening. All those increased in 1963. Um, it was between 1963 and today. It's over, at least as far as um, the drug use and the births, over a 700% increase. I mean, whether uh, you're a Christian or not in the schools, I think one thing was for sure, uh, there was a lot of uh, moral messages that we could have at least found in one textbook during that time. But laws are laws and laws are passed. And, you know, we do have to abide by those laws. So now it's looking at how us teachers, us Christian teachers, can be the salt and light within the classroom. But we do have a problem in the fact that a lot of, te- a lot of those people who want to be teachers, um, they, uh, they're already fed up with public education. They, see it, they do see it deteriorating. They see the path that we're on. And a lot of those students who want to be teachers, they want to either um, teach in a private school, a uh, private Christian school. Um, they want to teach in a charter school, which, oh, that's fine. I'm not, I mean, by no means am I, am I putting any of that, that those down. Those are great. Um, and Or teach, uh, teach homeschool. Uh, and that's the shift that we see. I know that, and there's a lot of my friends and family that uh, do all of that. Um, 
I'm just going to challenge, you know, some of you tonight, and that's to not give up on uh, public education and this secular world, because in order for us to be the, the salt, uh, Mark explained uh, last, uh, a couple of weeks ago, that uh, Christians uh, were called to hold off the decay. Most of you probably feel that there's a decay in public education in the secular world. And for me, my understanding is because maybe not enough Christians are choosing to engage this secular world. And if we're not going to be the salt in the secular world, we see decay. Okay. It's easier for us to be uh, in the private school. You know what? I don't agree with the unions. So I'm going to, I'm going to work in a private school, which no, that, you know what? That is, again, that's perfectly fine. But if we're looking not to see the public education system decay, we need to have, uh, you know, in my opinion, we need to see more Christian teachers stepping up to the plate and being that light for the students. Okay? Now, I know that we are limited by the law and what we can and can't do. But what we can do is show the students our hearts and where our hearts lie. Okay? Uh, that is one way in which we can reach out to those students. Okay? So... Um, we don't want to see this decay going on, okay? Mark also mentioned uh, when he was talking about the business worlds how dark places can become beautiful places. What I see is the more we get Christians to engage the public arena in this secular world, the more beautiful place our education system is going to be. If we back off and we be resistant the way, and, and you know, and when I was, uh, you know, I, I, I forgot to mention before I got hired at Los Cerritos, I had actually applied all to p- private schools. I applied to Oaks Christian. I applied to Lorena. I was applying to all these private schools because I didn't like what public education stood for and where it was going. And so uh, my first few years, again, I was resistant and I was upset. I'm like, gosh, how can I get out of the public this public school system. It's just run by the union, okay? And, uh, and that was very difficult for me. And so uh, for the first eight years of educating, I stayed out of the union and I resisted. I'm not going to say I resisted in the classroom. I truly hope that my message with my messages within the classroom uh, shed a little bit of light for the students and hopefully a little uh, salt was sprinkled over them. But um, I, uh, I resisted the education culture. And, you know, I, I talked with Pastor Rob multiple times, and I talked to uh, my men's Bible study about this as well. And they were actually uh, very helpful in me deciding to join the union this year, because this year I did join the union. It was no easy decision, because um, philosophically speaking, I, and um, politically speaking, I have my struggles. But if I'm not going to engage with them, how are they going to know my struggles? And so I decided that this is the year, uh, and this was actually a, a, a key year as we had uh, multiple school board members. And uh, it just so happened that a friend, a teacher friend of mine uh, is the president of the union this year. Now, we might have uh, <laughs> philosophical ideas that are far different from each other. But I know he's a real respectable man, and he's a man I know I can have great conversation with. And so... Um, 
one of the ways that I asked to engage in this first year. I asked them, uh, does the union have a chance to uh, interview the school board candidates? I don't know how this all works. This is my first year. And he's like, actually, next week we are. And so I was like, can I get in there with you on that? So uh, they actually allowed me to uh, be in that room. And uh, in that room, I've never felt so nervous in my life. And I'm sure uh, uh, the candidates probably felt uh, <laughs> a little nervous themselves. But the reason why I felt that is because there were seven other uh, teachers in that room that all had a political agenda on their mind. And it wasn't my my agenda. <laughs> and so... Um, as we were interviewing the candidates, we have time in between to have open conversation and open dialogue. And so that was a time for me to uh, talk to them and show them uh, where we stand. And it just so happened uh, during that night, and I, I forget if I talked to Pastor Rob about this, but uh, because he was coming up for re-election and there's so many things that were happening that uh, some of the teachers were talking about the local elections and they started ripping into Pastor Rob. I'm just like... Um, do I tell them that I'm a member of his church and that he's a friend of mine? Because I'll probably be kicked right on out of here. But uh, I did. I was like, well, yeah, you know, hi, guys. I'm, I'm Keith. I, you, know, you probably don't know me. But um, Pastor Rob's actually, he's a, I consider him a friend of mine. I go to his church. Uh, and things that you're saying just isn't true. And I asked them uh, if they uh, had a chance to actually sit down and have a one-on-one with him. Uh, and all of their answers were, no, no, we don't know him. I'm like, wait a minute, you don't know him. I was like, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm sure if you give him a call up, he'd, he'd be happy to sit down and uh, share his views with you. And you guys probably have a good understanding. And, and I won't get into everything that we discussed uh, all that night, but it led us to have a very, very uh, candid uh, discussion about our church, um, us as uh, Christians, because uh, most of them that were sitting in there were not. And uh, it allowed me to have a conversation about some of our school board candidates and uh, their thoughts on them. And so uh, after that night was done, it, it turned out that um, the t- eight of us that were there, we, when it came down to the candidates, usually that night they have a decision uh, over who they're going to, um, I guess, uh, endorse. And that night they, they, they couldn't, we were split down the middle, uh, which was great because it allowed us to have another week's worth of conversation and dialogue, um, ide- uh, philosophical I- ideologies about our school district and our direction. And uh, all of that to say is I would not have been able to have that conversation if I was in the union. If I, was, if I wasn't in the union, I'm sorry. Uh, if I was not in the union, I would have not been able to be a part of that. And so... Um, as of right now, they're letting me sit on a few more uh, boards and a few more uh, meeting opportunities. So um, I do hope that things go well and that I can continue to at least be a light in the union. Again, I'm not going to agree with them, but if we're going to engage this culture, we can't resist them. Okay. And uh, like I said, I've been resistant far too long uh, in the uh, looking at the union. And so I ask uh, those of you that are getting into education, if, uh, if the public arena is what you want to get into, uh, I do hope that, um, you know, you, you have your options. Uh, you truly do. If the union isn't for you, it's not for you. You don't legally have to be in. Uh, I know there's a lot of school districts that uh, kind of give you that uh, opportunity to say, hey, um, you know, you're required to, but uh, there's a legal standard. They will still take some of your money from you uh, because uh, California 
California, we are one of those states where um, it doesn't matter if you want to be in the union or not, they'll still take money from you. So <laughs> I figured if they're going to take some, I might as well uh, give them a little bit of headache from my viewpoint. So um, all I ask uh, is that, um, and our church actually does a really good job of this, uh, engaging the public education arena. Uh, we do have a lot of families that uh, homeschool or in pi- private education, but I've seen a lot of our, a lot of our church members at the school board uh, engaging uh, the community, trying to be a light in this community, because there's been a lot of hot topics lately. And it has been such a blessing to see members of this, this church uh, step up to the plate, whether they're, they've been in education, uh, public education, whether they have the kids in there in public education or not. Um, but we need to be a light or we are going to see a decay in the education world. Um, the, the Bible I've actually uh, found actually lays out some guidelines for teachers. Uh, it doesn't say, hey, this is what teachers should follow, but I'm going to interpret it my way. Um, if you still have your Bibles open, please open to Romans 12, 9. I was reading through Romans, um, uh, uh, about a month ago, and, and, and these verses really spoke to me. Because since we are limited by what the government can tell us and what we can't do, uh, because we have this, I'm going to put this in quotes, quote-unquote, separation of church and state, um, there are ways for us public educators to be that light. Romans 12.9, I'm going to read 12.9 through 16, says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. I think one of the key things for us Christians in the secular world of education is to continue to pray before school starts, during lunch, after school starts, sometimes maybe even to yourself while the students are taking a test. Um, I mean, we could still do all of that, okay? There are still things that we as Christians can do in the secular world of education, okay? It is not completely shut off to us, and we do have to engage it. However, the Bible does have some guidelines for us to follow, because in Romans 13.1, it still says for us to submit to government. We as Christians just can't go in there. I myself as a teacher just can't go in there and start preaching the gospel because I feel this is the way it should be. We did this 300 years ago. I'm going to do this now because no, I'm going to lose my job. And what use am I going to be to those students if I'm going to do something against the law? We still have to follow what the law states, whether we like it or not. Because there is a big push in the secular world towards uh, certain social agendas that most of us probably don't agree with. But... We have to face things legally. So the Bible, 13.1, starts off, Submit to the government. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Okay? So if 
there's, like I said, there's a, there's a time and season for everything. And right now, if we're in a season where we're, we don't like something that government is doing, we can still change that, okay? But that takes, doesn't take us uh, having to do things illegally within the classroom. You know, we still have to follow the letter of the law. But we can see a shift in that change, in that season, okay? So are things going to be uh, the way they are? Yes, if we're not going to step up as Christians and be the salt and light and engage the secular world, okay? Our job is to engage, not resist. It goes on to say in Romans 13, on 13.8, to love your neighbor. Oh, no, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. As Christians, when we resist, sometimes we do so, uh, I don't want to say that all of us do so in a hateful manner, but I'm sure that when we see laws are happening that we're not happy with in the education world, uh, there's this kind of buildup in us that are like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I'm not going to say maybe you're hateful, but I'll, I'll admit there's been some hate in my heart uh, when um, you know, the education uh, of the public education world decides to do things that I don't think is uh, right biblically. It's hard. Okay, but I think us as Christians, we still need to love upon them because if we're going to resist them and challenge them and show this evil little, you know, mad face towards them all the time, they're not going to want to come to our side. We need to open up our hearts and show them where our heart stands. And if we can show them our hearts, I'm sure we can open up a path for a lot more people. Because right now, the secular world of education has opened up, uh, they want to resist. They want to resist us. And if we resist them, they're going to win. I'm not looking, this is not, and I don't mean this is like a win-lose situation, but um, we don't want to lose the public education world. And we want to show public education that, you know, we are the light. And we can be there, but we have to do so in a loving manner while following the laws of our land. I think in our hearts, we still need to follow the laws. We absolutely need to follow the laws of God. Okay, there's no question about that. But in the same time, God is telling us, you know what? You know, show them your love, show them your hearts, but you still have to follow their laws. Okay, they're there for a reason, but, you know, ultimately we can change that. The last part of Romans 13, it says, put on Christ and do this knowing the time. And now it is high time to awake out of sleep. We need, to, we need to get out of this sleep, Christians. Okay, we need to awake because we've fallen asleep, I think, in this secular world. For now our salvation is nearer than what we first believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Right there, it's saying, put put on Christ, okay? Walk in the way of Christ, okay? Show them that we can put on the armor of light and we can still be there and be the Christians that uh, Christ has instructed us to be. Because if we don't, we lose this mountain. We want to have this mountain, education. This is our mountain. And I will say this, and we've we got a really great school district. I, I really think we do. Um, there's, there's a lot more Christian teachers in our public education than we realize. Now it's a matter of them 
ensuring that they can show the light. Okay? We need them to engage more with the union. Pastor Rob told me, you know, he asked me, uh, I think it was like a trivial, trivial question. He's like, in the education world, do you know what, uh, do you know what uh, the salt is in the education world? And I was like, well, I was hoping us teachers are. He's like, no, the union. I was like, what? How are they the salt? I mean, if we think about it, they're the influence. Uh, all the, te- the, the union, they have, they have control. They, uh, they endorse a candidate. Typically, that candidate will win in a few occasions. <laughs> Um, but, uh, what we need to do is if us teachers, we we can engage the union, we could, uh, we can start to spread the salt and the light, uh, with a greater impact. Uh, California is one of the biggest challenges. Um, and far too often we see way too many Christians backing off. Okay. Uh, some, some of the Christian teachers want to move out of state because it's easier to teach in, in Texas, or Oklahoma or wherever it's, uh, easier to, uh, you know, uh, not follow what the union uh, has to say. Um, but here in California, uh, we've been losing traction and we need to gain that back. Um, hopefully we can do it one teacher at a time, but if we're going to make, if we're going to have the most successful impact, those of you that are wanting to get into the ed- education world, I challenge you to engage with the union and to get fully involved. But at the same time, we have to remind ourselves that uh, there are certain legal barriers for us to follow that within our classroom setting, you know, obviously we can't preach, uh, you know, biblical terms, but we can show them our love. And if the student realizes that the teacher that is teaching them and showing them their, uh, their love and their compassion, that'll open up their hearts. And that's going to that's gonna want, you know, lead them on a better path. And that's our goal as teachers. Our goal as teachers is to instruct them in truth and in love. Okay? And that is the way that we be the salt and light in the public education arena. Um, it, and it's hard as a teacher. We have our challenges. But uh, there are other people uh, that have their challenges as well. We have school board members that uh, face their challenges between their faith, what they can, you know, what they uh, perceive is the truth and following their faith, but also having to follow the letter of the law and try to follow policy that can align with their faith, but stick with the law at the same time. So there is that, that, uh, that arena that they face and that mountain that they face in, in, their, um, in their job. And then there's administrators, Administration, because we, we have a, quite a few Christian administrators in our district, and they have a mountain to face because they also have to stick to the letter of the law, and they have to, um, they have to, you know, go by what the government says to do. But at the same time, they have to stay true uh, to their hearts, to their faith, to their Christian walk as well. And uh, so that's part of the reason why I asked Lou Lichtel here tonight is because I wanted to get his perspective on what it's like to be a Christian educator in the secular world. Uh, I'm going to bring Lou Lichtel up uh, right now. He's the principal at Thousand Oaks High School. We can come up here, actually. We have a, we have a, would you like to come up here and have a seat? Uh, I have a mic right here. Um, during this time period, uh, I'm going to have Lou uh, introduce uh, himself and talk a little bit about uh, himself and uh, how long he's been with the church and uh, a little bit about his walk. Um, we have a uh, 
phone number up here. If you have questions uh, for Lou or myself, please text them in. I'm going to check my phone. Uh, everyone, This is not my personal phone number, by the way. We have a little app that connects everything. So <laughs> you're not going to be texting me at midnight or anything like that. But um, anyhow, uh, please, t- if you have any questions, text them in. I'll make sure to check them out. Uh, but I'd like uh, Lou to spend a little time. Lou, welcome tonight. Thank you for taking uh, the time to be here. So I would like to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been at the church? Uh, your fa- tell us a little bit about your family. Well, first of all, I want to thank Keith for uh, asking me to, uh, to participate tonight. But more importantly, I want to thank God, literally, for uh, allowing Keith to be in our district. Yeah. And I'm so, so grateful that those private schools missed the boat on <laughs> Keith Jones. Yeah. He's a really wonderful educator. I've had the opportunity to work with him during summer school. Uh, in addition to being the principal of Thousand Oaks High School, I'm also the principal of the Canadian Schools Foundation Get Ahead program. So we service about 1,200 students during summer who are looking to uh, move ahead in their studies. Keith's been teaching uh, history for us. I throw him curveballs every once in a while. He does U.S. history one year and then world the next. I try to keep him on his toes. He doesn't, he doesn't realize that's actually intentional. Uh, I love really it. I really <laughs> want him to get uh, a little fuller in the uh, curriculum, uh, and that's really, really important. So a little bit about my family. Uh, I'm a son of immigrants. Uh, my, my parents are uh, political refugees from Cuba. And uh, so I have a really rich history from the standpoint of politics and government. So when Rob talks those things, I, I thoroughly enjoy it myself. Uh, with me tonight is my wife, uh, Lisa, of, uh, geez, 28, going on 29 years. And uh, I absolutely adore my wife. Uh, very few people really have the opportunity to marry their soulmate. And uh, I'm one, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, she's very supportive at every turn, regardless of what I've wanted to do in my career, and I've always appreciated her. And also with me today is uh, my son, Jake, who's uh, visiting from uh, Life Pacific College, where he's a junior and studying biblical studies. And uh, depending on the weekend, when he comes home every three or four weekends, he he uh, wants to do this career, f- pursue this career. I think at the end of the day, he wants to be a uh, career student, which uh, I'm not sure I can afford. <laughs> but uh, I think ultimately he's ended up in teaching because he totally has the gene. Uh, my daughter, Amanda, uh, will be graduating in May uh, from Westmont College, and uh, she also is going into education. So she's coming home, we hope, in uh, May after her graduation, and will pursue her teaching credential at Cal Lutheran. Uh, where uh, Keith uh, had the opportunity to study as well. I was writing down some notes because, you know, these days we all use our phone. I want to talk a little bit about some of the things Keith said, if I could. Um, And and I totally relate to what he was talking about uh, regarding the unions and and those types of things. And I had those same struggles uh, when I was a teacher. And I I really feel like in my career I've had three different careers. I started as a coach. I coached uh, for – I was a head football coach and track and all these different things. And that was like – one phase of my of my 32 years in public education. Um, and then I taught for 10 years, uh, and I did some coaching during that time as well. But I've been a school administrator now for 22 years. So one of the things that uh, really struck me is when he was talking about the sixth grade, teaching sixth grade, and how different that was. So I spent four years as a principal at Redwood Middle School, and I will preface this by saying that I loved every second of being the principal at Redwood Middle School, every minute of it. But I still do call it the longest decade of my life. And I will tell you, the reason for that is because it's so different. Um, the, the issues, the problems, the nagging, the tugging on your pants. Uh, loved it, but when I got to the high school, I really, really felt like I was in, right in my realm. 
and uh, really, really uh, proud of the fact that I've been able to serve this community uh, in that capacity. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Uh, like I said, I've, I've had a long career in public education. I totally echo what Keith said about those of us that are in the public arena, in the public school arena, we get our faces bloodied a little bit, uh, but we're doing it for a cause. We're doing it for a purpose. I really do believe that God appoints leaders. Uh, Keith is a leader in his classroom. Um, I have the opportunity to lead at my school. We have school board members that are leading this district, and God puts people there for better or for worse. And uh, our job is to get in there and do what we can to influence however we can. And uh, I, I certainly pray every day that, I, that I'm doing that in a positive manner. Yeah. I do have a, I have a question for you. Um, do you face challenges as a Christian serving as a principal in the secular school world? And if so, is there a scenario you'd like to share? And how do you cover them? It's no, kind of a big one. <laughs> no challenges. No problems. Um, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned prayer. You mentioned that uh, there are certain times we can pray. And uh, I will tell you that, uh, quite frankly, there are days when I go home and there's a, a certain feeling that I have um, and a knowledge that throughout that day, and it happens more often than not, I've kind of been in prayer all day. And when I'm not, I can tell because I'm off. But when I'm there and I'm leaning on God's wisdom, God's word, you know, it's not overt. It's just kind of there. You know, it's that it's that thought. You know, some people call it a whisper. It's just that thought that this is the right decision in this situation for this student and this family. Um, so quite frankly, I'm in prayer all the time. So I think the, uh, or try to be, try to be. Uh, and, and when I do that, I feel like I'm most effective. Um, from the standpoint of challenges, uh, there are many challenges, and Keith mentioned so many of them. The world's constantly trying to influence the way the public education is going. I do believe, especially in the state of California, there's an agenda that is going to drive a wedge into uh, public education, and we're going to end up with a broken system on one end and either privatized schools or charter-type schools on the other end, and that would spell a disaster for our, for our state and our, and our nation. So, again, I agree. We need to be in there. We need to continue the hard work and, and do the work. Uh, those challenges, the only way you can tackle them is one student at a time uh, within the law because that's my job is to make sure that I'm doing that. But one student at a time and trying to guide those students uh, so that they're making great decisions long term. Uh, one thing I can do as a principal at Thousand Oaks High School is provide access. So at Thousand Oaks High School, we have a thriving uh, federation of uh, fellowship of Christian athletes uh, on a Tuesday afternoon, if you come over at lunchtime, there'll be 100 students poolside. We have great support from uh, a lot of the different churches that come in. Pizza tends to attract kids. It's like when you go fishing, you throw the bait out there. That's the pizza. You get them there, and uh, I'm proud every year they ask me to come in and speak, and I love doing that. Uh, but we have two other Christian clubs on campus uh, in addition to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, we have a Jewish student union, uh, Rabbi Brisky, who's in... Uh, who's here in Thousand Oaks, has a Chabad, is a great friend of mine. I love the man dearly. Um, and, you know, I mention that because I think students need a place to be spiritual. Um, you know, they really need that, that connection. It really makes a difference for them. So uh, access is one thing I can, I can provide. We've done that in the past with our Performing Arts Center, where, where our, our, our FCA 
brought other FCAs from throughout uh, the area together. Six or seven FCAs got together when we had uh, the Potter's Field mission, uh, mission uh, folks came out, and they did that at Thousand Oaks High School in our Performing Arts Center. So that's, that's where I can influence uh, our campus from that standpoint. Uh, and the challenges, you guys know what those challenges are. And our job is to be there, uh, like Keith said very well, uh, uphold the law, but at the same time make great decisions for kids one at a time. Have you had a uh, issue as an administrator where you um, had to deal with? I get you know I've always quote in quotes separation of church and state on campus, uh, whether it be teacher or student. Like an, has an issue ever been brought up? I think I think the uh, the bigger issues uh, over the last year have been uh, crossing the line politically, where uh, teachers uh, sometimes will will make comments or, or students will, and uh, that that gray area sometimes gets clouded. Um, I think you're right what you say that, uh, you know, there's a lot of leeway teachers have in their classroom as far as uh, when they're teaching and if they want to bring in the Bible. I've, I've seen teachers do that in the past, and I think they've done that effectively. Uh, so from that standpoint, I've not had, uh, not seen a lot of issues, but really the political realm, especially with this heated uh, election that we had. Uh, nationally, there was a lot of talk on campus. There was actually a little bit of strife amongst the student body with some disagreements. So, uh, you know, our job at that point was really to talk to students about First Amendment rights and the fact that we all have the right of freedom of speech as long as we're doing it appropriately. And uh, again, it's a learning opportunity, a teaching opportunity for students. Great. Is there anybody in the audience that had some questions? Um... Uh, for uh, Mr. Lichtel while he was up here. Any going into education, any concerns that... So uh, the, the issue that you're, that you're uh, describing is called District of Choice, and uh, Oak Park Unified years ago uh, submitted to the state when the legislation existed that uh, it, still, it still does, but it's ready to sunset, uh, and they became a District of Choice, which simply means that school, students can just, uh, parents can just enroll their students at their schools, no questions asked, there's no communication between their home district, which would maybe be the Conejo or Simi, uh, when they enter the Oak Park. I will tell you that I am a total choice guy, 100%. I think as a parent, you have the right to send your student to any public school that you would want, and I'm all over that. Um, I, I, I speak that when parents come and visit my school. Uh, I let them know that, hey, here's what I have to offer at Thousand Oaks High School. If it meets your student's needs, great. If it doesn't, we have two other public schools in, in the Conejo, Newberry Park, and Westlake High School that are almost as good, but they're, they're, still, they're still relatively safe for you to attend. Uh, <laughs> And you, have, you do have choices in this community. And again, I, I've spent five years at Westlake High School, you know, building some things there. So very proud of that work. So I'm all about choice. Uh, yeah. I think it's an important component uh, for public education. In uh, the, you know, late 90s when, when school choice, uh, when that initiative started, I think it made us better as public schools because it made us competitive. 
And for 15 years, we've realized we're not the only game in town. Kids don't come to our schools just because they live in our neighborhood. And that's a really positive thing when we know that we have to reach out to others. And I think it's led to uh, really dynamic programs within our district. Um, I, don't, I don't see a reason for us to oppose the District of Choice Initiative uh, at Oak Park, quite frankly. And I'm probably speaking out of turn a little bit because that's not really my realm. But, uh, you know, I sell choice. Come to my school. Therefore, you know, if you want to go somewhere else, as far as I'm concerned, that's just fine. So I think as a parent, you should shop, shop schools. That's what we call it. Parents shop schools. Go out and find the best place for your student and make sure they fit there. And uh, I don't know if you have any, uh, any high school age kids, but I'd be happy to tour you at Thousand Oaks High School anytime you're ready. Actually, uh, I do have some questions coming in. I saw a hand uh, real quick. And Okay. So here's the here's the here's the two-headed monster on the voucher. So I'm all about pro-choice. I'm all about choice, not pro-choice. I'm all about choice. Let me back off. Of that. I'm all about choice. Send your kid wherever you want. Now here's where here's where the voucher situation is. Right now, currently, you can go anywhere you want. And take your child to that school. The voucher would provide you a sum of money. I don't know, three thousand, five thousand, whatever it would be, to send your student to any school you'd like. Maybe even a private school. And, you know, on the surface, that sounds great as a guy that's all about choice. But I'll tell you, the other side, the other side of that coin is this. That means that uh, I, as a secular guy that believes in some really bizarre things that nobody in this room would condone, could open up a school. And those vouchers could be coming to my school. And so now we would be funding things that we would be adamantly opposed to. Um, so, you know... It, it sounds great. Okay, let's have the voucher so we can go anywhere we want. You can go anywhere you want now. The only difference is the state's not going to pay for you to send your student to a private school. So that's the one thing the voucher would accomplish. So am I opposed to it? No. Am I going to? Am I necessarily going to? You know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to march on Washington over the issue. I just don't think it's necessary, and I do think it's going to create some issues that maybe we're not anticipating that would actually put us in a worse place than we are right now with public education. You know, because every time we solve one problem, we create potentially two or three others. So choice, I think, is great. The voucher system, you know, it, we got to iron out some issues before we just move forward with that. Okay? Hope that answered your question. All right. Got some questions rolling in here. Uh, when can a teacher discuss religion in class? Who makes the rule? Calif- is California different from other states? I can attack the first one. Yeah. Um, I, actually, we can discuss religion. In school, I'm, I'm, I told you guys we're discussing the Reformation right now, so that's a that's a big opportunity to uh, bring religion in. However, we have to do so from a historical standpoint. Uh, I cannot discuss religion from uh, a preaching standpoint. Uh, I, I do tell the students, all my, my students know I'm a Christian. Uh, when when discussing the Reformation, it was an opportunity to let them know. You know, uh, my mom grew up in the Lutheran Church, my dad in the Methodist Church. I spent 20 years of my life in the Presbyterian Church. I have a little bit of background on a lot of these uh, Reformed Christian churches. So I, I'm giving them some perspective that, you know, 
you know, that I know this, but I can't be up there preaching. I, I can't do that. I can't tell them this is what the Bible says and this is what we as students need to be doing. Uh, I can quote the Bible, okay, if I'm using that for a primary source, okay, uh, there are areas in which I can. I just can't do it to convert them and, uh, and guide them to, uh, into the Christian church. I just can't do that. Uh, within the, that's where the government comes in and ha- takes control. Um, uh, the other part of that question is who makes the rules? Well, yeah, the, um, the, the state and federal government, they make the rules on that. So, so you know, to, just to add, I think Keith is absolutely correct on that. The, uh, within the context of the curriculum, if the Bible fits and even a verse, then that's totally permissible. But at the same time, if you are trying to persuade a student to believe a certain way, then obviously that wouldn't be that wouldn't be appropriate. And none of us in this room would want a teacher to do that necessarily. And uh, I can't say it doesn't happen; uh, it shouldn't happen. But uh, you know that's kind of the rules uh, around that. Um, and as far as prayer in the classroom and, and that type of thing, as long as it's student led, it could almost happen. As long as it doesn't in, in, uh, influence or disrupt instructional time it can happen anytime so whether it's lunchtime or nutrition before school after school you know kids they do the uh prayer around the flagpole we have these clubs at lunchtime kids get together at nutrition i'll see kids at thousand oaks high school in small groups having prayer during nutrition and as long as it's student-led that's not an issue that's not a problem whatsoever once it becomes a uh, parent or excuse me uh, adult-led then uh, we cross into a uh, into a different realm which is not appropriate Okay, uh, next question I have on here is, how can we address, compare, and contrast textbook info, especially seventh grade science, evolution in particular? Um, you know, that was actually a topic that was brought up at one of our, um, uh, one of our t- articulation meetings. Uh, being department chair, uh, all the other department chairs from secondary education, we meet every few months to discuss uh, topics within the realm. And uh, one of the issues in the California framework is that uh, in sixth grade uh, and in seventh grade, they do discuss uh, evolution, but it's, it's just a one-way path. There's no opposing views over uh, creationism because that's not allowed to be dis- uh, that's not allowed to be discussed in the in the uh, public arena, unfortunately, because I brought that up. I, I uh, in our articulation meeting, I, I asked them because uh, I know we're not there to make law, but uh, we as historians need to look at both sides of the issue. And in the California framework, unfortunately, only one side is being told. Uh, but unfortunately, we need to have more politicians that understand the fact that only one side of the story is being told. Um, so until we can get our politicians to do so, California law does prevent us to bring in, uh, as far as I know, um, the creation uh, side of things. But I'll let Lou. If Yeah, as far as the textbook adoptions and that type of thing, this is an issue. And, and I say this with all due respect, and, and, and I almost wish I'd, I'm not going to say this, but as Christians, we need to give up on this issue. It's a non-issue. It really isn't. Those textbooks do two things. Number one. They're there to guide the instruction of the teacher. And I got to tell you, the, the most important role that I have at my school is hiring teachers that have discernment, that uh, n- understand the community, and then I can go off the rails teaching things that are so outrageous that it's going to put us on the front page of the star or even worse, the acorn, right? <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> so listen, the other thing it does is it gives you as the parent the opportunity to teach your child right. So when they come home and they say the textbook says such, 
You say, well, you know, that's an interesting perspective. What does God say about that? What do we believe as a family about that issue? So really as a parent, you know, if the, your students, if your kids don't have the, uh, students, because I'm, I'm at work right now, if your children don't have the opportunity to hear the other side, I got to tell you, when they leave home and they go to college, that's all they're going to get. So that's really a great opportunity. You know, we don't agree with the textbook because it says such and such. You know what? Let's fix it at home. And I got to tell you, the, the other thing that we are very uh, fortunate with is the fact that we have teachers, a lot of teachers in our community that understand our community and what's, uh, what's going to sell and what's not. And uh, we don't have a lot, I don't think, we have a lot of radical people out there teaching some off-the-wall uh, ideology. We really, really don't. We're very blessed that way. Globally, that's not the case. So I do, I do worry about others. But it's not an issue we need to take on because, quite frankly, the world sees that in a very, very negative light. They see it as censorship. They see it as traditionalism. It's not a positive thing. As long as it's within within the realm of what we should be teaching as a curriculum, some of those items, they're not really that important. It's an opportunity for us as Christians to teach. And I think that is a valuable lesson for us. So hope I didn't offend everyone in the room. I know I didn't offend Jake because he and I have had this discussion before. Other than that, I'm not so sure. Yes. It's tricky. Uh, you have to word it in, in a way that, because uh, we as teachers, we are required to stick to the, uh, the curriculum. Uh, I do have to tell them, you know, that it's a very good question that you pose. Unfortunately, I can't get into depth with it. Um, it, it but you know, because I don't, I don't want to lose my job. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I will say this. Uh, I can I can briefly just say, you know, real quickly. You know, these are the views that uh, this group looks at as far as it goes. Unfortunately, it doesn't cover the content of which we're discussing. Uh, but this is the side that they're looking on. Unfortunately, we kind of have to move on from here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that, and that's one thing that we're um, we're engaged to. We have to stick to. Um, we have to stick to the standards. <laughs> yeah. Tom, Tom's one of our grandparents at TO, so I'm going to let him have the next question. Yeah. There's your answer right there. Um, wow, Tom, that's a that's a that's a tough one. You know, we have a whole we have a community out there that, uh, in general, no, nationwide, with the medicinal marijuana use and so forth, which, you know, as far as I know, is legitimate. I'm not going to judge those people. Could be very legitimate. I do have a concern that if we have dispensaries in Thousand Oaks, that somehow, you know, that uh, that substance will find its way to our youth and to our to our kids. But that's not a new issue. Kids have been smoking pot in high school since the 60s. So this is not a new issue. Anybody here go to, go to school where at least one student didn't smoke marijuana? I mean, really? Um, so, but, you know, what's happened is it's become so prevalent now. 
and and that's that's obviously the concern so it's a lot about education it's a lot about uh trying to keep families together because uh, we know the kids stray in those directions when there's strife at home it's supporting kids trying to look for the uh look for those signs early on so that uh, they don't get so far down the down the road that uh, it's really hard for them to pick up but it, it is a concern for me i think it's a concern for all of us um I don't know. My, I, I know I've had this conversation with my, my son, the intellectual over there, who tells me that uh, th- that type of uh, that type of legislation is actually going to deter uh, and, and, and drug use will go down. I hope he's right 100 percent because we're headed that way. All right. I got. Oh, oh, sorry. OK. <laughs> uh, a couple of a couple more questions here. Uh, it says, um, how do you deal with colleagues, students who resist the outpouring of your faith in your workplace? I mean, I have one example you can talk. I uh, At my school, um, I've been blessed to have other teachers that are believers. Um, being a department chair of history, you get to know the other department chairs. Our math department chair actually attends our church. Uh, our science department chair is a believer. Our English department chair is a believer. I mean, our school, uh, we've been blessed. Um, but however, there are people within our departments that have challenges. I've been challenged in my own department, uh, but it, it allows for open dialogue. Um, you do have to pray about it because you have to, you have to pray that, you know, you don't want to get into a heated discussion because the opportunity is to engage them. Uh, they're not they're not your enemy they're as pastor rob always says they're your opportunity so um you have to, for me i have to pray about it because i do have a colleague that constantly is always trying to challenge me and the, the hard part is is that he himself is a, a former christian and but he's been hurt uh, often and so uh it's something that i recognize but and it's something that we can have good conversation and good dialogue with uh yeah we're going to experience resistance but it's a matter of um showing your colleagues where your heart lies um you can either get angry with them and you can take them on with debate after debate and just you guys can just butt heads all the time or you can open your heart and you can love upon them uh, whether they're resisting you or not. Uh, you can, if they're going to be mad and upset at you just because you're a believer, uh, so be it. But if you're going to uh, respond the same way, that, uh, to me, that doesn't help the situation. Just in my, and it's going to take a lot of prayer because some of us could be stubborn and hard-headed, but uh, it's something to continue to pray over and uh, continue to have open dialogue with. No. Yeah, I've not felt any way persecuted at school or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I feel very uh, supported uh, have quite a few Christian teachers on our campus and just quite frankly, a lot of great people that are there for the right reason. And that's to enrich the lives of our students and serve a great community that we live in. So I've I've not had that. I've not had that, uh, that feeling, not had that issue. Uh, How do you balance district policies and your faith when they're not in alignment? Well, I think you, you spoke to this. Our, our job is uh, as Christians is to abide by the law. And so that's what we do. And uh, so, you know, you pray about it when you make those decisions or when you're faced with a situation in which you're conflicted, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, again, you pray about it, even on the run, and uh, you make the best decision you can for that individual student. And I got to tell you, that's the, the same solution doesn't work for every, it's not one size fits all. They're all little individuals. Uh, those of you that raise children know that. I had, I had two children and they were completely different kids. I don't know how that happened because we raised them more or less the same. 
but it happens. So you, you make decisions for, uh, for the individual student and what's going to meet their needs uh, the very best. And whether I agree with the law or not, that's not really my place as the principal. Uh, it is to uphold that and uh, make a great decision, try to influence it as posit positively as possible. Okay, um, maybe uh, we got time? Yep. Oh, we're good. Okay, a couple we're more. Oh, we got a couple more here. Uh, let's see. We'll stay for tacos. Don't worry. Oh, no. that's right. There are tacos. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are tacos involved? Uh, Lou, being an administrator, maybe you, can, uh, maybe you can touch upon this. Uh, do you use Christian values when giving students advice, punishment, when you need to talk to them about something they did wrong? If you... Uh, if you talk to a student, and, and we're talking about, you know, maybe in a situation where there's a discipline thing, there's one thing that I always try to impress on, upon students is just be honest and truthful. And I got to tell you, it's really hard for kids to do that, even more so. First of all, they're scared to get, they're scared to get in trouble, so they kind of tend to give you, it used to be half-truths. I think we're down to like an eighth. <laughs> for, for, for those of you that haven't done math in a while, that's a lot less than a half. And uh, so it does take some time to get to the truth, but, you know, you only really have to identify one half-truth and then say, listen, you know, you know, I asked you to be honest with me. That's kind of number one. So I think that's one of the values we really do try to instill in students. But it all starts with trust. You know, one of my mentors once said, no discipline without relationship. No discipline without relationship. So whether it takes five minutes or ten minutes, it's the first time you've met that student, and you're supposed to give, come down on them, give them a, some kind of detention or Saturday school, whatever it is, spend that five to ten minutes and just get to know them. Because, you know, it's really easy to do it turnstile. Hey, come through. Okay, here's your punishment. Here's your punishment. And kids really resent that, and rightfully so. So it's all about relationship first, uh, getting to know them, knowing where they are. I have 2,200 students at Thousand Oaks High School. There's about 200 employees, and one thing that occurs to me every single morning, and by the way, I've, I've never felt like I was going to work. 32 years, I always say, honey, I'm off to school. And I got to tell you, that feels really, really good. But those, we don't know where they're coming from. We don't know what they dealt with the night before, that morning, what kind of home life they're coming from. Some of our students, even in the Caneo Valley, have parents that are drug abusers, alcoholics, uh, out all night doing who knows what. Kids are raising themselves. That even happens in our community. So... When they come in, we don't know what we're getting every morning. So it's really, really important that we meet them where they are and, and get to know them and love them. You've used that word many times, I agree. My, and, and I was very fortunate in 1996, my very first job, it was a two-year temporary job, I worked at a continuation school. And I've never looked at continuation school different, uh, uh, the same since that experience because I really, really learned about how important it is to meet kids where they are and really understand where they're coming from. And I think that's, uh, that's a really valuable lesson that I had 30, 31 years ago. Boy, that's a long time. Uh, I'm going to make this uh, our last question uh, for tonight, and then I kind of want to wrap up some final thoughts, um, and then uh, I'll bring up uh, Pastor Brett uh, in, in a short uh, minute. Uh, and but, tacos, I heard. And then there are tacos. But uh, I did want to uh, finalize uh, this last question. I'm, I can cover it in a quick 60 seconds, but if you want to attack it's up to you. It says, where's the Caneo Valley Unified District going in terms of homosexual marriage? Will it be discussed in the classroom? Um, well, here's, here's the thing. Um, we have to follow uh, the standards by law, and uh, a law was passed in California. Uh, but what, uh, to my knowledge, uh, the, the FAIR Act, it is um, 
even though we, we have to follow by law, the district does not have to follow the exact framework that was proposed. We can mold that. And I know our district, it's, it's going to be an ongoing discussion over the next year, potentially two years, over uh, where and how we're going to mold that. But uh, as of right now, the FAIR Act is law. Now the discussion is, how are we going to mold that? And that's actually a discussion uh, at board meetings that um, you guys can be a part of. There, there's, a, there's probably a really relevant place in history for that topic and that discussion, and that's as part of the civil rights movement, it falls right into that. And again, it's in our culture, and for us to ignore it as educators, as Christians, doesn't really serve anyone because, again, it's a great conversation starter with your own, own children. So um, I don't think that things are going to change to the point where we're going to be uh, questioning the sexuality of our forefathers or, you know, that's where we're going to start every discussion about a historical figure. It's not going to happen. But there is a place where that does fit, and it's appropriate in this in this day and age to give it its due. And then parents, when your kids come home, then you have the opportunity to open up a Bible and talk to them, give them the biblical perspective. They get the world perspective at, at school, make sure they're getting, if they're not getting the, the godly perspective at home, then we're failing. Okay, it's not the school system. And I'm going to close with this because... Keith mentioned this very uh, uh, at the very beginning. He talked about the importance of public education. Uh, it is essential that we continue with a strong public education system uh, because otherwise, I will tell you, the, the students that are going to fall behind are the students that need it the most. The kids that need the most support, the most help, uh, the most knowledge are the ones that are going to fall farther and farther behind, and we're going to create a really, really difficult system for ourselves. So public education is I got to tell you, it's a great institution. We're doing a great job in the state of California across the board in educating kids. I will tell you, kids are better than ever. I've been doing this 32 years. Trust me, I know. They're better than ever. They're better than I was. And they're smarter than ever. Believe it or not, kids are really, really smart. Here's the difference. They're not interested in the things that we learned. They really aren't. They're really interested in what's relevant to them today. They want to know how everything impacts their lives. So when you talk to a student about history, if their eyes glaze over, it's because they don't really see, see the relevance. But if it's about today, they're really, really interested and engaged. And again, I'm just proud to be serving this community and uh, appreciate Keith as an educator and for giving me the opportunity well, to you. share with you today. Thank you so much, Lou. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If for any reason we didn't hit any of your questions, I'm going to stick around for a few minutes as well, and I'd be happy to answer any of those questions. Uh, I know uh, I'm not sure if Lou is. Um, I'm not going to uh, keep him here. He's got a big job and uh, a lot of students to get to tomorrow. Uh, but I did want to leave with uh, leave you with this note, and that is I'm asking you guys as being the salt and light in the world of public education is to engage the world of public education. Uh, one of the best quotes I heard from Pastor Rob, probably eight or nine years ago now, uh, he said that uh, us Christians, uh, we don't retreat. We fall back to better ground. And in the public education world, I think we need to dig our heels in and find that better ground for us. Um, 
because we need to continue to be the light to the students. We need to continue uh, to instill the truths that we know and we hold dear to our hearts, and we need to instill the love that we have. And the way that we do that is we continue to pray. We continue to pray for our students, for their families, uh, for uh, anyone that can be impactful toward them, for their teachers, uh, for the administrators, for our um, uh, for our school board, uh, the prayers will help us continue to be the light that you know we continue to be. Uh, we our goal is to hold this mountain, and uh, and in order to do so, we need to continue to be the salt and the light.